You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. How wonderfully God provides for his uh, servants. And, and you know, we don't appeal to the Urim and Thummim any longer. And our high priest is Jesus himself, right? And, uh, but again, if we appeal to him, you can be sure that he will respond. And so, how wonderfully God provides for his servants. And more times than not, he usually responds to our questions through the study and the reading and the counsel of the Word. When you're in a conversation with someone, it's only natural to ask questions and then wait for an answer from the person you're talking to. This is how you have healthy interactions with others and get to know them better. So why do you think it would be any different with God? Today, Pastor Mike relays the idea that it's important to talk to God and even ask Him for direction. God craves that time with you where you submit your hopes, your fears, and your requests to Him, and He's there to answer. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 23 as he begins his message, Timely Interventions of a Sovereign God. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 23, and this is where we left off last time. This is a part of our After God's Own Heart series, studies in the book of 1 Samuel. And the progression of that series now move into chapter 23. The title is Timely Interventions of a Sovereign God. And I bet, if given the opportunity, many of you could stand and testify to that uh, truth. How that in times of struggles and difficulties, God has intervened on your behalf, right? And he's there like the cavalry, right, charging on and, and uh, always doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Well, listen, that's the God that we know. That's the God whom we uh, serve. Let's back up a little bit. Remember last time together, we saw the atrocity that was perpetrated by a delusional Saul, who at the present time is now king over Israel, slaughtering 85 innocent priests. In the previous chapter, we have the record of that, chapter 22 and verse 18, for what Saul thought was a conspiracy against him. You see, he thought that these priests were harboring uh, David. And remember, Saul at this time was determined to kill uh, David. But then also coupled with the total destruction of the city of Nob, where David sought refuge there at the sanctuary. Remember, it was there that the tabernacle had been set up. And the tabernacle was the place where uh, God's people, Israel, had met with uh, God and offered up their uh, sacrifices. 
So that was the city of the priests. In fact, let's quickly go back to the previous chapter in verse 19. And there we are told, also Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. So listen, I mean, this guy is just out of it right now, right? And uh, just a, a, you know, a terrible situation. Well, anyway, these horrendous acts only alienated more pious men from King Saul's ranks. And at least 200 more fighting men of Israel had now defected to David, increasing his force of his mercenaries to 600. Okay, so that's where we left off last time, okay, if you remember. And now we have the record of an opportunity, beginning in verse 1, for David's army, the 600 fighting men, these mercenaries, David's army to test their military skills and uh, present an opportunity for them. So let's pick up now in chapter 23. We're going to go through this entire chapter in verse 1. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Kila, and they are robbing the threshing uh, floors. Okay, so obviously the Philistines had been eyeing the ripening fields of wheat and barley outside of this location, Kila, which was a fortified city eight miles uh, northeast of Hebron and close to Adullam. Remember, Adullam was where David and his men had been living uh, for the last uh, several uh, months, and uh, they had become a bunch of cave dwellers. And uh, we have the record of that there in chapter 22 in verse 1. So as soon as the Israelites completed the harvest, the Philistines swept over the adjoining hills and took possession of the threshing floors where they would process the grains, separating the wheat from the chaff. But what's interesting about all of this, I want you to notice, rather than going to Saul for assistance, they came to David, indicating that he was the people's only hope. You see, Saul at this time was not fulfilling his role as king over Israel. And what was a part of that role? Well, it was to protect God's uh, people, but he had failed. You see, God loved Israel, his people, so much, too much, to let them suffer uh, from an unfaithful king. So what did he do? Well, he turned to uh, David. And, and, you know, I, I just love this about uh, God. You know, no matter what we may be facing, you know, we're expecting to receive some uh, assistance. You know, we look to certain people, maybe our government or, or whatever, and, uh, but we don't see them responding the way that we hope they would respond. Well, listen, remember this. God is faithful. If our government won't help us, that is the church, you can be sure that God will raise up someone else or some other group uh, to come alongside to assist us. Now, being informed of this, that is the Philistines coming in and just uh, taking the uh, barley, wheat, and grain uh, from Israel, they came to uh, David. So he's informed. And then uh, how that they attacked, David immediately sought the will of God. Let's pick up now in verse 2. Therefore David inquired of the Lord. So when they came to him, David didn't immediately respond. The first thing that he did 
and you've got to commend David for this, he inquired of the Lord. What was he inquiring of the Lord about? Well, shall I go attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Kilah. And listen, you can be sure that when we make our appeals unto the Lord, God will respond. You know, we're honoring God. We're appealing unto him. And you can be sure that God will respond. You know, the Bible tells us, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. That's the God that we know. That's the God that we serve. You see, a wonderful change had occurred in the life of David. In the past, remember in some of the previous chapters, David is being impetuous, had created all kinds of problems for himself and others. That is not inquiring of the Lord. Remember David at uh, Nob and, uh, you know, going there and lying about why he had actually come to that location led to the killing of those 80 priests that I had just uh, referred to a moment ago. Remember also as David was fleeing from Saul, who was bent on uh, taking David's life, when he uh, arrived at the location there in the city of, of Gath. And uh, remember, he was, uh, it, it has been suggested that he was uh, immediately incarcerated, and then he stood before the king, Achash, and he played the role of a madman. And we, we, we found out how that whole thing uh, worked out. It only complicated his situations. If he would have just, first of all, had inquired of the Lord, God would have directed him on what he should have uh, done. But listen, one of David's greatest achievements was the discovery of his need to consult God about everything. I want to emphasize that word, everything. Not only for the big things, but also for the little things as well. In fact, I've discovered in my own life's experience that often it's the little things that can wipe you out, right? So I think that we should take all of our cares, all of our situations, and bring them before the Lord. Remember what uh, Solomon had declared in the book of Wisdom, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 3, in verse 6. He says there, In all your ways acknowledge him, that is God, and he shall direct your path. What a precious promise that is. So, we are about to discover three times in nine verses here in chapter 23, we read that David inquired of the Lord. You see, David had reached the place where he desired to live in the center of God's will for his life. And one of the ways that we get to that place of living in the center of God's will for our lives is what? is inquiring of the Lord. And why not? Because that's where the blessings are. If you want to move into the center of God's will for your life, and that's where you're going to discover the blessings of God, where God can do the utmost for you, well then make sure that you make him a part of the equation. So I think it would serve us all well to follow David's lead. Now, although the Lord gave David the green light to go to battle against the Philistines, Notice here, according to verse 3, David's men had certain reservations uh, concerning their going out uh, to face the Philistines. They feared the Philistines, and rightfully so. Okay, so let's pick up now in verse 3. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. And one of the reasons why they were afraid there in the location of Judah, remember Judah was in the south of the nation of Israel. And uh, they had previously been outside of Israel, fleeing from Saul. But remember, God had told them to go back into Israel because there was a 
there was a work that God had determined David uh, to do. So he didn't want them to be outside of the uh, land. And so that complicated things for David and his men. So they were recently outside, but now they moved back into Israel. It would have been much easier for Saul to track them down and find them and put David to uh, death. And so anyway, uh, according to our text, uh, they were afraid. Look, we are afraid here in Judah. And now how much more than if we go to Kila against the armies of the Philistines? So they had two different enemies to be concerned about. Not only the Philistines, but also Saul, who was seeking to take uh, David's life. But you know what? You, you, you really have to uh, commend David here. But we are told, notice again, that David inquired of the Lord once again. So this is the second time that we read that phrase, David inquired of the Lord. Notice according to verse 4. Now why did he inquire of the Lord the second time? Because he took his men's words into account. And I gotta say, I gotta tell you something. I, I think that this is the mark of a good leader. You see, God places men and women around us as we are involved in ministry to counsel us and to encourage us. And I really appreciate the input of those people that God has made available to our, our body. And so you really have to commend uh, David. He just wanted to be sure and then also reassure his men that in fact it was God who was given him the green light to go out to fight against the Philistines. And so once again he assures his men of the victory even before the battle had taken place and he was encouraged and the men were encouraged. And so they took on this mission. And so we read in verse 5, and David and his men went to Kila and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. Now this is interesting, there was a reason for this, I'll get to that in a moment. And so David saved the inhabitants of uh, Kila. Okay, so, uh, anyway here, uh, David uh, and his men began by taking away the Philistines' livestock. Why? So that the invaders could not remove any of the wheat and barley that the people had uh, gathered. Now, this was a very wise thing to uh, do. Why was that? Because remember, the animals, the livestock, were, would have been used by the Philistines to transport the grains. And so without them having access to the livestock, they weren't able to remove the grains from the Israelis. And then we are told that David defeated the Philistines with a great slaughter. And after the battle, I imagine, inside the city now of Kila, David, his troops, were treated like conquering heroes because, after all, they had spared the total collapse of their economy. So, they were given a status befitting their service, and their success increased their confidence in themselves and David as their leader. But once again, I want to bring you back to this truth. This all stemmed from, that is the success, this all stemmed from first, inquiring of the Lord. And again, this would also be true of you and I. If you want to experience real success in your life's experience and the choices and decisions, the things that you have to face on a regular basis, make sure that you take the time out to inquire of the Lord. Make sure that he's a part of your decision-making process, that he's a part of the equation. So now, 
David and his men and all of their families are dwelling inside a walled city, Kyla, which provided a new sense of security. So it seems as if things are going quite well for David and his men. Now, in verse 6, we are also told, while they were there in Kyla, David was joined by this fellow whose name was Abiathar, and he was a priest. We were already been introduced to him. He was the only survivor of the slaughter by Saul at that location in Nob where the tabernacle had been set up. And he came to David with an ephod in his hand. And so David now has the services of a priest, which of course would have been very important. And the ephod was a further means of discerning the will of God. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this ephod and what it was all about. The ephod was a garment that was worn by the priests. It was a close-fitting vest, and sewn to the garment were rings of gold, by which the elaborate breastplate was held in place. The shoulders were made up of gemstones, upon which the names of the twelve tribes were engraved. So each one of those gemstones represented one of the tribes of Israel, <clears throat> twelve in uh, all. And this garment was also used in communicating to God or discerning God's will. Because on the breastplate, there was a pouch which held the Urim and Thummim, these gemstones with markings on either side. They were taken out of the pouch when guidance was needed from God. Now, I'm going to try to explain this, but I've got to tell you something. No one really knows how they used the Urim and Thummim and I guess it's really open to speculation. It's all according to who you uh, read. You know, one person will give you one explanation and another uh, commentator will give you another, but we're really not quite sure how they uh, discern the will of God using the Urim and uh, Thummim. But basically, uh, we are told, this is one of the plausible explanations, if both showed, when they pulled out the gemstones out of these pockets, if both showed the one inscription, that meant yes. So God responded yes. So they would ask God a question. When they pulled out the gemstones and they were of the same markings on it, both of them, that would mean yes. They were to go forward, to do whatever uh, they were asking God uh, that they should do. Uh, if they pulled out the gemstones and uh, both of them were the opposite, that meant uh, no. If they pulled out the gemstones and one was of the one inscription on it, but the other was uh, different, that would have meant inconclusive. So they were to do uh, nothing. And it's also been suggested that when they sought out the priest and used the Urim and Thummim, that they glowed in a, sap, a supernatural kind of a light. Now again, I mean, I, you know, the best I can is offering that explanation. But again, according to who you you know, you read, you have all kinds of different uh, interpretations and explanations. Well, anyway, when David saw Abiathar, the priest, come down, he knew that there was a new way for him to communicate with God. Listen, how wonderfully God provides for his uh, servants. And, and, you know, we don't appeal to the Urim and Thummim any longer, and our high priest is Jesus himself, Right? And, uh, but again, if we appeal to him, you can be sure that he will respond. And so how wonderfully God provides for his servants. And more times than not, he usually responds to our questions 
through the study and the reading and the counsel of the Word. And that's exactly why we place such a high premium upon the study of God's Word here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Listen, if you are uh, seeking an answer to a question, or if you find yourself you know, not quite sure of what you're to do, whether you should go forward or just stay still or, or not get involved, then I would encourage you to just open your Bibles. And God has the wonderful uh, capacity to be able to answer those questions for us, right? So we find often the answer to our question. I mean, this is probably the greatest way that God responds to answer those questions for us. There are other ways as well. You know, just the way things work themselves out, line up, and, you know, this is another way that God orchestrates all of the details within our lives. But more times than not, he speaks to us through and encourage us in his word. It's there that we find the answers. It's there that we find the counsel of God's word. You see, God wants to be a part of our decision-making process. So what a wonderful resource we have in the study of God's word. Well, anyway, meanwhile, back now in the city of Gibeah, and remember, Gibeah was the location where Saul had set up his uh, kingdom. Saul, according to verse 7, is delighted to learn that David was living in a fortified city. Let's go on now. Let's read verse 7. And Saul was told that David had gone to Kila. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand. Yeah, Saul, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think it was God who delivered him into your hand. Saul is completely and totally out of the will of God right now. But anyway, nevertheless... Notice, he says, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. So again, Saul is delighted to learn that David was living in a fortified city. You see, Saul believed David had made a tactical blunder by relying on the protection of a city and its people. And also notice the twisted workings of Saul's mind He thought he had God's blessing. Once again, notice what it says there in verse 7. God has delivered him into my hand. I don't think so, Saul. And so anyway, nevertheless, he made plans to march on that city to take David. Verse 8. Let's pick up now in verse 8. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Kilah to besiege David and his men. Now, So, obviously, when news of Saul's activities reached David, he found a new dilemma that he had to face. What was that? Well, he had the choice to stay in the city and face a siege, or, he thought to himself, would the inhabitants give him up? In my father's house There's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. 1 Samuel takes you from the pastures that David shepherded to Saul's palace, where David played his harp. It walks you through the battles that were won and lost, and it touches on one of the most unique friendships in the whole Bible. To say this book is interesting is an understatement. There are so many lessons to be learned from reading 1 Samuel. Ultimately, we're reminded that people wanted a human king, 
But no ruler or leader on earth will be perfect and they'll make many mistakes. Only God is perfect and is the very best king. Thanks for listening today. You can explore more of Pastor Mike's messages by searching for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday service so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Mike teaches on 1 Samuel, here on In My Father's House.